world. It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you every single weekday, Monday through Friday. Make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. We've got a fun one for you. You are listening to Thursday, November 30th show. We're closing out the month strong. Stick with me into December. It's what we do five days a week. So I'm not going anywhere. Just marking the calendar so you know what show you're listening to. Tonight, the Blazers play the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. A rematch when the, of when these two teams met a couple weeks ago. Should be a different looking game. I want to talk about that game. I want to talk about uh, the art of the rebuild. We've done this a couple times with a couple different teams, but uh, how the Cavs went from the post-LeBron era to a bunch of trips to the lottery to what they are now, and look at that through the lens of the Trailblazers, where they're going uh, and where they, where they might go as they you know embark on the very nascent stages of a rebuild, building a competitive roster. And then finally, there's some um, there's been some reporting today about Malcolm Brogdon's sort of general trade interest, and I will. Um, I got some ideas of where of landing spots, potential landing spots for old Brog Dog. Uh, that's what we'll do to close the show. If you're if you're fiending if you're fiending for trade content, I'll uh, I'll uh, timestamp it so it'll be in the episode description. But stick with me. The calf stuff's fun. Let's get into it. Uh, Meeting of two teams, two, they last played two weeks ago. It's going to look a little bit different. They played November 15th in Portland. Cavs won 109-95. Donovan Mitchell had 34 on 13 of 20, hit five threes. Blazers couldn't guard him, and he was hot. He was, he was making shots, and they couldn't guard him, and that is a tough, that's a tough one. You make hard shots, and the, the other team can't slow you down. That That is not a, not a great recipe for success. Um, the Blazers in that game, no Scoot Henderson, no Malcolm Brogdon, um, you know, no Sure, no, um, <laughs> no Rob Williams, no Amphrey Simons, but the Blazers have had some injuries. But, but you know, just even competent, not a ton of competent guard play. It was it was it was a maze sharp backcourt in that one. So the Blazers will have you know their their point guards back in action, some of their point guards back in action with with Brogdon and Scoots. But the Cavs played that game without a point star point guard of their own. He's probably more star than either of those two other gentlemen, uh, Darius Garland. So that'll be a little bit different. The only other Cavs injury of note, um, Dean Wade, who's who's been out with an ankle. Um, he started that game. They played really big, and Dean Wade chucks threes. He's out, and uh, I, I Kokoro, Isaac Okoro back in the lineup. Um, better defender, probably just like a straight up significantly better player, but very different player, Isaac Okoro, than Dean Wade. So a little bit, it'll be a different look. Um, what you need to know about the Cavs is that they're not very good on offense, 22, and they're good on defense. They're eighth, uh, according to, to Clean the Glass, 22nd in, in offensive rating, eighth in defensive rating. You know, last year they were great. They were top 10 in both offense and defense. They won 51 games. Uh, they haven't been that again this year, but they've, they you know, they're 10 and 8. They've won six of their last eight games, including two in a row coming into this one. Um, they're, they're, they're on their way. Like when the, when they met the Blazers last, they were, kind of struggling but then they have righted the ship since then and they look they look a little bit better like, you know they're really big uh when they they play two bigs with Mobley and, and and Jared Allen and um and they can they can stay big with George Niang a little bit off the bench with a little bit different look off the bench and occasionally Tristan Thompson plays which is always a funny th- uh turn back of the clock but like 
um, you know, they, they don't kill you on the offensive glass. They're a much better defensive rebounding team than they are offensive rebounding team. They just, um, it, it's kind of just like Mitchell tunnel vision, a little Garland pick and roll magic, and that's it on offense. And they can, they have with Okoro and Mobley and Jared Allen, they could be really good on defense when, when they lock in. I think um, that'll be the test. On, on, on the Blazers side, it's like the Blazers formula for being, for being, like to being able to beat basically any, any of the like not inner circle contender teams in the league who they haven't really played yet, but they haven't. Um, but like, you know, teams that are kind of cuspy of the playoffs, competitive teams, but not the really, really good ones is Jeremy Grant has to go nuts. Like that's it. <laughs> if, if Jeremy Grant goes nuts, they'll have a puncher's chance because he's, um, He's been on a heater and he's in their last two wins. He's shot something like 85% effective field goals percentage and made multiple threes and hit huge buckets when it mattered. Uh, they kind of handled the jazz, but like huge, huge buckets when it mattered in their last game. And like, I don't, I, I don't know if you're going to get that every night from Jeremy, like 17 in the fourth against the Pacers, but um, you're going to need something similar to that. That's kind of the Blazers formula right now. I don't think we need, need to get too deep into it, but they like that. That's, that's their, um, that is their formula for being competitive right now. They're, they're decent on defense. They're awful on offense. And when Jeremy Grant is great, the awful offense gets propped up by, by, um, you know, a bucket, someone who's an absolute bucket. So they need Jeremy Grant, your assignment tomorrow evening in Cleveland, as I'm recording this, or today, as you're listening to this, tonight, baby, in Cleveland, score. They're going to need you. They're going to need you. Okay, that's enough preview stuff for you. Let's talk art of a rebuild. Uh, the Cavs went from a team that didn't win 25 games for three consecutive seasons to a team that won 51 last year and was top 10 in both offense and defense. How'd they do it? And where are they now as they embark from the post-LeBron era into whatever's next? Let's talk about risk, Donovan Mitchell, and how you build a good team and all the pitfalls that come with it. Before we do that, let's talk tickets. You want to go to a game? The Blazers just announced a game that they have next week, next Friday. Uh, they they've got a they've got another one. Uh, they got another one on the road, and then they come they come back. They'll be back next Friday uh, when they play the Dallas Mavericks. So you didn't even know about that until earlier this week because it was because of the in season tournament schedule. So you might not have made plans. But there's one spot. For the nights you don't make plans and you got last minute tickets, that's the Game Time app. Uh, I like the Game Time app because it's quick. Pick up your phone, search for who you want to watch, Portland Trailblazers. Just type in Blazers, you get there quickly. And then it pulls up a little picture of the Moda Center on your screen, and what you see is what you get. So you say, okay, I want the cheapest ticket in the house. They got a flash deal, $18. I can sit upstairs, great, click it, go, two taps, and you're in. Or you're, you know, feeling a little froggy, you want to sit, you want to sit close to the floor. Okay, what's my best deal close to the floor? 71 bucks. What you see is what you get. No hidden fees, no surprises, no convenience charge for them sending you an email PDF of the ticket. What you see is what you get. So take out the guesswork and go buy tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked on NBA. You get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the redemption code Locked on NBA. That's L O C K E D O N N B A for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right. 
So we've done this with a couple teams. In fact, I started doing in the offseason, talking to my uh, fellow co-hosts here on the Lockdown, fellow hosts here on the, the Lockdown Podcast Network, talking Houston rebuild and OKC rebuild. We looked recently as sort of how the Jazz got where they are and where they're headed. But I think the Cavs are an interesting one in light of where the Blazers are. Uh, you know, the Cavs, I'll say it again, the Cavs were really good in the regular season last year. 51 wins, top 10 in offense, top 10 in defense. Like they profiled as a team that could be really good. And then they got bounced out the playoffs by a more physical New York Knicks team. It happens. And now here they find themselves. Kind of maybe with the clock started on when Donovan Mitchell might leave. Ugh, that doesn't feel good. He can be a free agent in 2025. And there's already swirling rumors that the worst type of people are out there. And that's rival executives. Nobody wants to hear from a rival executive. If a rival executive is monitoring your situation, your situation stinks. And right now, I think the Cavs situation has at least some stink to it. Uh, so LeBron leaves. Uh, he, f- he left Cleveland yet again. Headed to the bright lights of Hollywood so his kids could go to competitive high schools in Southern California. Um, he's a great dad, supportive father. Had nothing to do with the Lakers. Cavs win 19, 19, and 22 games in the three following seasons. But the thing about losing a bunch is that you get good picks. In 2019, fifth overall pick, they take Darius Garland. He becomes an all-star in his third season. In 2020, they took Isaac Okoro. Let's just love that. So we'll put that one in pencil. In 2021, they get the third pick in the draft, and they take Evan Mobley, and he looks like he's going to be a pretty darn good player, although I think some of the shine and excitement from Mobley has worn out a little a bit this year because his offense hasn't really um, come around the way that many thought it might. He's just kind of like a defender, but a darn good one. A darn, darn good one. So 2019, they take Darius Garland. 2021, they take Evan, Evan Mobley. In the trade deadline of 2021, they trade for Jared Jackson. Uh, for Jared Jackson. I don't think they traded for Jared Jack. That's probably not it. They, they trade for Jared Allen and they trade for Karis LeVert and that deal with with Brooklyn. So coming into the 21-22 season, it's the first year of, of Garland and LeVert and Allen and Mobley all together. And that team wins 44 games. And Darius Garland makes the all-star team and Jared Allen makes the all-star team and they get into the play-in round as the eight seed. They lose to Brooklyn, uh, but uh, Jared Allen has been out for a few weeks at this point with a broken hand. He comes back to play in their second uh, play-in game. Can they make the playoffs? No, they lose to the Hawks, blow a double-digit lead. It's sad. Uh, but they're a team on the rise, right? They've won 44 games. They've got a great young core. They got draft picks. They got they got parts. They got parts to spare. They've got uh, you know Lowry Markkinen, and they're playing this gigantic lineup. And they've got they, you know they, they've they're a team on the rise. And what do they do? They cash in their chips. They cash in their chips. They went for it. That summer, after they win those 44 games, that summer, they trade for Donovan Mitchell. And they send Oshai Baji, who was their, who was their draft pick, and Colin Sexton, who was a 2018 top, top five pick, lottery pick, uh, and Lowry Markkinen, and then a whole haul of picks. Three unprotected firsts and two swaps, meaning this summer, in 2024, the, the Cavaliers will make a, a draft selection. And then they will not have control over their own pick until 2030. They hope picks in 25, 27, and 29, and they owe swaps in 26 and 28. So they might end up with their own picks in 26 and 28, but like they don't control their own pick until after, you know, this summer and then 2030. It's a long time. But the Donovan Mitchell thing works. Like it works. They trade for Mitchell with this core of Garland and Allen and Mobley. 
And they still got Karis LeVert. Still got Isaac Okoro too, baby. He's still there. And they win 51 games. And they're legitimately very good. Um, and, and they look like, during the regular season, they briefly flirt with like, okay, this is one of the three best teams in the East. They finish fourth. They get to the playoffs. They get, bu- get bullied by the Knicks. Jared Allen famously said that uh, the lights were perhaps brighter than he expected. A little too bright. Um, an incredibly honest and insightful quote from my man, but probably shouldn't have said it. It's, it's too it's too good of a quote. You probably shouldn't have said it. I'm just kidding. I always encourage people to speak honestly because more boring uh, sports quotes me leads to more boring Locked On Blazers episodes, and we want more exciting Locked On Blazers episodes. But here are the here are the Cavs, ten and eight, a totally decent team. Um, you know, started a little rough this year, but today, you know, there's there is speculation literally on this very day. You can go find speculation that that rival executives are monitoring Donovan Mitchell's happiness because he can become a free agent in 2025. He he's a, a, has an opt out, and the way the money works right now, Donovan Mitchell is opting out. So now the Cavs find themselves in a precarious situation. They have you know, roughly a year and a half of Donovan Mitchell under team control, and they are not in the inner circle of contenders, and they have, because they trade away all their picks, relatively limited ways to jump back into that circle. Um, You know, they could trade Evan Mobley, but he's like on a rookie contract and really good. They could trade Jared Allen, but what what are you really getting back for Allen, whose shine has probably worn off a little bit because the lights were too bright? Um... Do you flip Darius Garland and try to say, okay, Don, you, you make us happy? That's probably your best bet. But, um, you know, or we, let, let's help us like make you happy and, and make, the, make it fit a little bit better with like bigger guards around you. And we'll commit to Donovan Mitchell being a point guard, although he doesn't really pass very well. Um, like, it's, they find themselves kind of in this, I don't know if anxious is the right word, but all of a sudden they need to make decisions quickly about what's next because the vultures are freaking circling. And this is the challenge of rebuilds and why I want to put into context of the Blazers. You spend a bunch of years in the gutter, 19, 19, and 22 wins. You get draft picks right. Darius Garland is unequivocally a great call at five. Isaac Okoro, it happens. You take a guy fifth and he's going to end up being like a long-term NBA player, but just never like what you would hope for in a top five pick. But like Isaac Okoro's been playing the league for a decade. Um, So, you know, and he's probably going to start on Thursday night. You you get an NBA starter with the fifth pick, but not ideal. But then you're bad again and you get back there and you get Mobley and Mobley looks like he could morph into a star, if not like a defensive player of the year candidate. And that's a star in and of its own right. Although he's might not be a two-way beast that people thought he might be. You've got this good young core. You've got, um, you know, interesting ancillary parts with Allen and, and, and Karis LeVert. You've, you, you know, you're, you have the core of a really good team. And when, or at least a, a darn decent team. And when you had an opportunity, you went for it. You got the, you stunk. You were rewarded for being bad. You got the draft picks mostly right. Drafting is hard. Getting two out of three top five picks, like correct, correct, is pretty hard. And they seems like they did, right? Seems like they nailed two out of three. Um, that's probably like a pretty good success rate to draft um, to draft that well. Uh, it, it just in any random any random sampling of top five picks over the course of three years. So 
was the it's like was was a mistake to cash the Mitchell trade in because now it's really hard to get better and he might bolt and there's all the speculation that he's going to be a Nick and blah blah blah. I don't know because we're the we're the Cleveland Cavaliers who are based in Cleveland, Ohio. That's in Northeast Ohio. Um, Joe Kim Noah bunch. Whoa once said that he's never heard of someone excited to go to Cleveland. Uh, that includes um, his co-workers, NBA players. I don't know. They were not going to sign free agents. Like most of the league doesn't sign free agents. You acquire star players via trade. This is the risk you take. How many opportunities, if they don't trade for, for Donovan Mitchell when they did in the summer of 2022, how many opportunities will they have over the next say, five seasons from 2022 to 2027 to trade for a 25-year-old three-time All-Star? Is it more than one? Seems relatively unlikely. That was their best chance to get the best player. And it may end up working in terms of building a like darn good team. He also might walk in the summer of 2025. This is, I, I say all this to say that I think in some ways I admire what the Cavs did. They built a young core, they built a team on a rise, and then they said, okay, who's the best player we can possibly add to this mix? Well, freaking Donovan Mitchell is. Swooped in, make the trade. Donovan Mitchell, you know, he wasn't it wasn't exactly like on his list. His list included one team, it was the Knicks. And the Cavs were like a fun young team taking a risk, and a big one. But that's that's what it is, that's what it eventually will become. Unless you draft a you know, generational, like, MVP-level player, right? That Because that's what you need to win a title. You needed someone who can win an MVP. But to, like, compete for a championship, say you need, like, two All-Stars. Unless you nail multi-time All-Stars with your draft picks and get them homegrown, and then you can make, you know, the ancillary moves for trading for Andre Iguodala or whatever around the margins, like, eventually you're going to have one really good player like Darius Garland and have limited opportunities to tr make your big trade. And you kind of had to do it before Garland gets paid and before Evan Mobley gets paid and, and et cetera, et cetera. The, the Cavs took a risk, a uh, calculated one, and probably one that they wouldn't even have had an opportunity to make a decision on into the future. And then it's like the big question, like, did it work? Well, if, the ch if, if work means win championship, I don't think the Cavs are going to make a conference finals with Donovan Mitchell on the roster. Seems pretty hard just looking at the East. But they were a 50-win team. They're trending back towards being a winning program again this year. And that's the tightrope you walk. And if you're the Blazers, okay, they've spent two years in the, two, you know, say, say they follow this path. Two years in the gutter. They picked seventh. They picked third. So this year, it looks like they're probably going to be back there in the lottery again. Um you know, three years in the gutter, you get it right, you build it, you know, you make those, that trades, right? Three years in the gutter, make the trades. Allen and Levert, big part of who they are now. Um, opportunistic trades because your roster is cheap and you can, you can take flyers on guys. Great. That's, that's an important part of the rebuild, making the right moves on the margins. And then you try to trade for your star. And it isn't, it's just not, it's just not easy. I, I think the, the calves, a window into the calves is like, from, from my vantage point is, there's value in taking risks, and then you end up with a very narrow window. And that for teams that are in non-glamour markets and have not um, 
you know, have not drafted a Giannis Antetokounmpo or, or Luka Doncic. Dallas is not a non-glamour market. It's just a place that apparently NBA players have not wanted to play for 15 years because nobody goes there. Um, they've been clearing cap space for 200 years and can't sign anybody. Uh, but like, unless you do that, unless you unless you draft one of the top five guys, you probably at some point have to cash in your chips and take a risk. Now, the Cavs probably just have an imperfect fit because Garland and, and, and Mitchell is an imperfect fit. But but were you ever going to have a better fit of equal talent available to you? I don't know. I don't know. And that's the risk the Cavs took. And it's the risk that the Blazers in two seasons might find themselves in. Okay, we've got our draft picks. Okay, we've got, we've got X, X, and X. Can we... Are we able to... If we take this risk, what is it worth? I applaud the Cavs for doing it. I applaud teams. I applaud teams for building decent rosters and saying it's good to be decent. It's good to be good. Let's go from there. But it is hard to go from 19, 19, and 22 wins into the inner circle of contenders, even if you get it as right as the Cleveland Cavaliers appeared to do. This is a hard path. It's a hard path. Um, I will say this, though. like Cavs had an incredibly rewarding season last year, and if you're a fan... Gotta take the rewards because most teams lose. Okay, let's talk Malcolm Brogdon trades. Speaking of trades, let's talk Malcolm Brogdon trades, shall we? Shall we? It's always fun to talk trades in freaking November. Let's do it. I got some ideas where the Blazers could send Malcolm Brogdon if he is indeed on the market. Let's do that to close the show. First, let's talk fan duel. It's America's number one sports book. They want to give you some free money, so go to fanduel.com slash locked on and take advantage of this offer to get bonus bets to play around with and maybe win some more money. Here's what you do. You make a $5 bet on the money line for a team to win, whoever it might be. Say, maybe the Portland Trailblazers to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland on Thursday. Pop that bad boy into your FanDuel app. Blazers win. You're going to get some money plus $150 in bonus bets from FanDuel. And then once you get that money, you can bet on everything. So not just money line bets, but you can bet on spreads. You can bet on over-unders. You can bet on player props. You can bet, You can make your million parlays. You can live bet games once they tip off. You can place futures bets, whatever you're into. You got a million combos and a million options over on FanDuel. So why don't you go take advantage? Go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's one more time for you. Fanduel.com slash locked on. It's Fanduel, America's number one sports book. Still a pass for point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked On Blazers. So we talked about the art of the rebuild, and part of the art of the rebuild is making those ancillary trades to continue to get better, right? Step by step. You trade for Karis LeVert and Jared Allen because you're going to get a little bit better and a little bit better and it allows you to make bigger moves. Uh, the Blazers have kind of torn this thing down and now the sort of graph is heading in the other direction from get cheap and young to I'll probably get cheap and young again, but like, uh, you know, the moving towards being a competitive team. 
And part of that is getting rid of some of the redundancies on the roster and getting value for the veterans you have that don't that aren't going to be part of the long-term plan. And if there's anyone who fits that description on the roster to a T, it's Malcolm Brogdon. A, a darn good basketball player, happens to be the oldest guy on the team. Um, 30, he's so old at 30. The Blazers are young. 30, Malcolm Brogdon, ancient, ancient, uh, entering his fourth decade on, on the planet. Ancient. Um he, but, you know, with, with the positional overlap, he's redundant, right? Like, he's old, and they have Scoot Henderson, who they want to play. They have Shane Sharp, who's pretty clearly a two. I think we've, we've, um, we've, we're, you know, 18 games into this bad boy, but I, it's pretty clear that, that Shane Sharp is a two. He's not quite a three, and he's certainly not a one just yet. Hopefully, he morphs into a three. That would be really helpful for the Blazers. But, you also have Amphrey Simons, who is the Blazers' best player, probably, and or certainly their second best player at worst. And he's 24, and he's you know he's he is every bit of what Malcolm Brogdon is, and a little bit more. Uh, so, like, it would be better if you could trade Malcolm Brogdon for like two dudes a little taller than him, or one gentleman a little taller than him, and um, some hope in the form of a draft pick. And according to Michael Scotto of Hoops Height, um, executives around the league, multiple executives around the league speculated that if the Blazers were to trade Malcolm Brogdon, he would net them a protected first round pick. And to that I say, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, duh. Um, like no disrespect to Scotto, who's a good reporter um, and, and all that, but it's like, yes. That is obviously what Malcolm Brogdon would net you if you've been paying attention to the league in any normal way. Malcolm Brogdon is not worth three firsts and two swaps. He is not Donovan Mitchell, three-time All-Star at 25. He's a solid vet, and solid vets sort of, if you're lucky, you get a protected first. That's like that, that, that's what you're hoping to get, um, and it might be we'll you know sort of see when in the timeline it could be. So I, I don't. Like, as a side note, I don't think the Blazers need to deal every single vet on the team. Like, I don't think they, if Rob Williams was still healthy, he would be an interesting debate, right? Like, he because he's like, healthy version of Rob Williams is incredibly good and really could be useful to a good team. And so then maybe you could get back like a lot of useful stuff, multiple picks and a young player or something, and like really go for it um, in terms of in terms of accumulating assets. Like, okay, we're going to be worse, but this is going to be great for us. I don't like. I don't think the Blazers need to trade Jeremy Grant. I've been saying that since the offseason. I like. I don't. He's under, he's under contract for five years. Like they, they just don't. They just don't need to trade him now. Um, they they can wait on it. And and unlike Brogdon, there's no positional overlap. Like Jeremy Grant is a position of need. They need him. They desperately need him. Brogdon, he's kind of like getting him out of the way, clear space for their young players who are worse to be clear, but to like spread their wings a little bit. Um removes that redundancy, gets rid of sort of the positional clutter and lets you move forward. So let, let's say Brogdon is, is on the markets. And, and again, like trades don't really happen in the NBA until January, um, like January and February is trade season. You know, technically some of the league can be traded. A, a good portion of the league can be traded on December 15th, but it's not like December 16th, like trades heat up. It's just like, um, people will do content around it. Like, media media folks like me content creators such as myself will like use december 15th as to like talk about trade season but it's not it doesn't really start um but i bet my man bobby marks at espn will write like 2500 words on december 15th uh he cranks it out for the for the good people of the collective bargaining agreement um so uh like 
I don't want to do a whole fake trade thing. But I did look into my um, my crystal ball, my Minjo green bobblehead. That's right over my shoulder if you're watching on YouTube. Um, he's in front of my Jamal McGlure all-star plaque. I got a lot of good stuff on the wall. Um, but I looked into my Minjo green bobblehead and I, I, I made Minjo green bobble and I said like, Where's he good? Where could Malcolm Brogdon fit, right? Because I think um, you don't, you young teams probably aren't going to trade for Malcolm Brogdon. So they'll put themselves in, he's he's not like that type of, first of all, he's like good. Um, and maybe young teams would rather just play young players than play like a solid vet. Like Malcolm Brogdon is, is fits and makes sense on a team that is either very good and wants to like try to put themselves over the top or one of those like sort of mid-tier teams that says, okay, you know, this is the level of player we could probably trade for to push us closer. Uh, and, and the two teams that immediately come to mind are the Miami Heat and the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, I looked around at other teams. The the the, the Clippers obviously had interest, but they they acquired their veteran point guard, and his, his name's James Harden. Um, he, he had a good game tonight, y'all. He played really well and even, like, shot it when he had the ball, which was amazing. But they're out. Um, other spots like, you know, there was some speculation that maybe the Bulls could in a rearrange could go get rearrangement of their parts could get Malcolm Brogdon. I think they're going to tear it down if they make trades, but we'll see. Maybe they're afraid of tearing it down. Um, so they don't, they don't make sense. Um, you know, there isn't, there isn't an obvious sort of landing spot I see, but, but Miami and New Orleans, like Toronto is the other one, but what is Toronto doing? I think is an interesting question. Would, would Malcolm Brogdon make sense on their roster? Yes. But I, I wonder what exactly they're doing. Are they, are they, um, quadrupling down on their group? Are they moving forward with just OG and Scotty? It's like, it's like, I, 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 I'm, I'm confused about what Toronto is doing. So I don't feel as strongly as about that as a landing spot for Brogdon, although he's like, he would help them for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, but it's Miami and New Orleans seem to be the most reasonable basketball based landing spots. Miami could use, um, a Kyle Lowry ish upgrade and Malcolm Brogdon is a Kyle Lowry ish upgrade. Um, they're not super similar players, but they are, um, you know, point guardy types and Miami could use a little more offensive juice, I think. Um, Bam Adebayo has been freaking great this year. Jimmy has been way more aggressive than in previous regular seasons. There, you know, like Jaime Hawk is, is balling. I guess I'm maybe not supposed to mention Jaime Hawk on this podcast. He's been balling though. Um, but, but Miami could just use a little more offensive juice. Like that, that's, that's really what they need. And, and Brogdon makes sense there. The problem is that I think Joe Corona has a blood oath to never trade with the Miami Heat. So that seems like it's off the table. Um, it, it, it could work. They kind of have the money to make it work, um, particularly if, you know, Lowry makes too much money. They'd have to get in there. But like they, they have contracts that they could kind of, they can make it, they could fumble it in there to, to make it happen. Uh, but not, not super, super simple. Because a straight across swap or a three team swap with with Lowry gets into just like a, it's just a bunch of money. It's thirty some million dollars. Um, it's like it gets it gets tricky. The Pelicans have a similar problem. So I like Miami's out because like Joe Cronin's not going to pick up the phone, or Miami's not going to pick up the phone, or they have each other's numbers blocked, or they never had each other's phone numbers, and that was Joe Cronin's problem the whole time. So he just he just didn't know how to call him. He just didn't know how, he's like, I ah oh God, if I could only get Pat Riley on the phone, that'd be great. Um. 
Okay, why am I relitigating this? It's because I'm recording late at night, y'all. Uh, never record a solo podcast after 11:30 p.m. But uh, that's sometimes that's how life ta- where life takes you. But uh, the the Pelicans make a ton of basketball sense. They just need more shooting. They need more shooting. Um, you know, when 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 my man Trey gets back, um, then that's Trey Murphy, my man Trey. When Trey Murphy gets back, th- that's another shooter. You know, uh, CJ McCollum's back in the lineup as of tonight, so they they will receive some reinforcements. And I, I think, um, you know, they've they have some young shooters, but like I think very simply. Malcolm Brogdon would be a useful upgrade for them and would kind of give them another creator, another offensive, just a weapon. He might need to dribble too much to be an ideal fit with the other three guys. But I think on bench units with when he's not, if he's not the fourth guy playing next to CJ and Zion and BI where they all kind of want to dribble a little bit, I think you can get more out of them. And I think in the regular season, you can get away with playing all four of those guys. And Malcolm Brogdon can, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon can really shoot it and he would help and he would help the Pelicans. The issue is the Pelicans don't have the, they do not have the salary to make it work really without trading Jonas Valanciunas. And if they trade Jonas Valanciunas, nah, they're running out of bigs. Like they just, they, 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 then you only have Larry Nance and Cody Zeller, Blazers legends, but it doesn't work. So here's what I landed on with, with Brogdon. Multi-team deal. It's got to be. I, I don't have it yet, but I'm going to find it. Um, I just don't. There isn't an obvious, the obvious suitors don't have the perfect salary to make it work and still kind of maintain the direction they want to go. And I think the obvious suitors are Miami and New Orleans. So a three-team deal or a sort of late suitor, Malcolm Brogdon makes, you know, north of $20 million a year, $22 million a year. So you got to come up with that money to make it work. But if you have a good Brogdon trade, shoot me an email, lockdownblazerspod at uh, gmail.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube, let me know in the comments your ideal Brogdon trade. Um, Listen, some of y'all been itching for trades, so uh, give me your ideas. But that's, you know, when we get like to actual trade season here in a few weeks, and by that I mean six of them, um, then we will continue to monitor rumors and stuff and and i'll kind of hash out more uh, more basketball-y fits and and talk about some uh, potential landing spots because i think brogdon is certainly the most likely player on the roster to be traded by um f- uh, fairly like by one standard deviation um that's gonna do it for today's show friday show guess what talk about the Cavs game blades play the Cavs thursday night friday show we will recap that one for you tell your friends about the program and come back and listen to more of them. Five days a week, wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.